Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. It is time for our Counterpoint. We've got our panelists all locked and loaded, ready to go. We got John Raz, former Liberal War Room director. Hello there. Hello, hello. And Bill Hutchison, good to have him back. Former broadcaster, longtime journalist, and professor over at Seneca. Hello. Hi there. Um, let's talk about Doug Ford because I was just speaking with the premier and, um, I'll play you a clip of what he said and and without question, I think it was a direct shot aimed at John Tory, um, who launched today a petition demanding that Doug Ford reverse the cuts. But here, here's the premier speaking. I think they're asleep at the switch. They think, uh, status quo, everything's hunky dory and it's not hunky dory. They can continue spending, raising taxes. And only an irresponsible weak leader would sit back and say, let's continue spending money. Fair of the premier to to ask that. I mean, I don't. I am not offended by that at all. Me neither. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you looked really kind of blankly. Well, there, I, I huh? mean, I mean, uh, you know, in the annals of things that Doug Ford and uh, Fate rest his soul, his brother Rob Ford have said as political actors that I've watched and 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 fought elections against over the last fifteen years. This is absolute milk toast. It, it okay? All right, so. But you worked in John Tory's war room. Are you not offended by this characterization of, of the guy you campaigned for? If I was offended every time somebody called John Tory something that light and bright and sparkling, I would never have gotten any sleep at all. I mean, look, uh, what he said is that he doesn't think that John Tory is doing a good job representing Torontonians. That's up to Torontonian voters to decide, and they did. They reelected him. Ontarians voted uh, Doug Ford. you got two guys now competing. I think uh, voters sort of like that, that idea, this exchange of ideas, and it wasn't undiplomatic. And it didn't name him. So, yeah, you're probably right. It was probably aimed at him. There's no love lost between these guys. There never has been. They govern in very different ways and they govern very different electorates. The rest of Ontario ain't Toronto. Yeah, look, I mean, Doug Ford makes unpopular choices, whereas John Tory just kind of goes along to get along. And I like John Tory. Nice enough guy. But politics isn't nice. And what has to be done is not a nice thing. Bottom line is all of these municipalities, Bill, should have and ought to have known in the last at least five years that this was all going to come to a stop at and, some point. And they had to have known as of last June there was a new sheriff in town. Yeah. And the fact is, they're asking for a little over 1% of the budget uh, to be trimmed. The The city budget five years ago, before Tory came into power, was $9.6 billion. Now it's $13.5 billion. That's an increase of almost $4 billion yeah. in, in the space of five years. And you're telling me you can't find 1% savings? There's an awful lot of companies out no, there. they're going to raise taxes. There's an awful lot taxes. of companies out there that, that face revenue shortfalls, and they have to trim their budgets mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of a fiscal year. They don't you know, carve it in stone. <laughs> no they kidding. don't say, we can't change it. No, they start trimming overtime. They start cutting back on travel. There are a lot of things that the city can cut and save that 1% without cutting essential services. And it's just nonsense for the city councilors to be so busy fighting against this instead of doing the responsible thing, which is to actually find those savings without affecting essential services. Yeah, I mean, look, they hired a whole bunch of lawyers and all this uh, campaigning they do against everything Doug Ford does. Uh, they could have found these savings, John, by now, at least in the last six months. Like, even if I wasn't going to dispute that and the fact that the population has risen in Toronto and things get you know, over the last five years has risen significantly like three or four hundred thousand new people so the budget has to expand as tax by 45 percent but the services no, aren't on. going up i'm sorry i had no i could not travel on my street the in downtown in toronto in the snow because they didn't cl- clear it for two weeks i, I mean know, i pay for these services the no, apocalypse cats and dogs not, living no, together but we pay no, for these services there are and you're basic telling services us. the city should provide and they're not providing them look and at the roads out say, there they are worse than they have uh, ever been if you can't fill potholes and fix roads, 
You know, where where is the money going when you've got thirteen point five billion dollars? Well, that's what I'm saying. If you're going to tell me all of a sudden that my taxes are going up, you better give me some kind of service for that. Well, I just I would like to remind us all what it looked like when Rob and Doug Ford were at City Hall and how this how this city became a city divided, a city that was paralyzed, a city where uh, interesting money was well, being spent, matter. interesting places. If Doug Ford wants to give anybody a lecture on fiduciaries and on Greece and on where money goes and to whom and which people get contracts, I don't think he should even begin to open I his think mouth. There's a lot of unsubstantiated allegations in what you've just said. I don't. And I'm telling you that there's an awful lot of waste at City Hall that there's can be trimmed. Ton. There's a lot of waste to, to, at both levels of government. Well, okay, yes, but that, that's right. And, and that's what Ford's going after. And Ford's Ed. saying, you know, we've got all these buildings in downtown Toronto. They're filled with a lot of redundancies and staff and services. And I'm frankly, if the government, if the provincial government's going to pick up the slack and start taking over some of these services, then the city doesn't have to do it. And Lisa McLeod has come out and said that the breakfast program is not being touched. That, and I, yet that's all we and, hear and, about. In the breakfast program, Two-thirds of the budget goes to administration. Right. It's uh, not going to the food for the kids. It's uh, going to administration. Yeah. You, you guys did see the provincial budget and the increase in our deficit for the year, right? You, you saw it done. I'm not you cannot, you cannot, should have cut no, more. No, no. You cannot, you cannot bring that down to, to zero right away. It's going to be after progressive. He brought it up. Yeah, brought it up. It's worse than it was before. That's so, so, worse. so yes, it is. It went up. It went up. It's simple math. It went from X to X plus four. What were the X, X plus four? Tell me what the exact numbers were. Because I disagree with you. I think there's a plan there to actually balance the budget eventually, and it'll take time because we are in such a fiscal mess. So we're running a $15 billion well, deficit when they came in. We, we are on track right now, but there is a $6 billion. They have to go further in the sure. cuts, without yes. question. Yes. So both of them need to go further in the yes, cuts. Yes, they do. Yes. We agree on that? Let, let, yes, I would just like them to call it what it is and get it done. And I'm not happy about it, and it's going to hurt, and there'll be things in there that, that a lot of people don't like, but the problem is we've got to do it. The danger is that all of the... Uh, organizations, the unions and, and the, the special interest groups that are aligned against Ford right now are going to resonate in of the federal course. election. Well, of course, yes. And absolutely. that's going to have an, an well, impact. Which brings us to our next question. Uh, the federal government has named the uh, eight Canadian organizations that are going to sit on this special advisory panel, and their task will be to recognize, re- uh, recommend which news organizations should get the $600 million uh, bailout from the government. And look... Uh, I hate this thing. No reporter, no journalist in this business, I'm sure, Bill, you're the same, do not want this. They think it's a massive mistake. Global news and big operations like this, we don't qualify for this. Thank God we're not part of it. However, if you look at the panel of who's going to be deciding and, you know, um, either destroying or uh, advancing the careers in this business, you got all these uh, lobbyists, uh, French-Canadian lobbyists, and then uh, Unifor, the union, the union that has made it its mission, Bill, to, to oust and defeat yes. uh, Andrew Scheer. They did that in 2015. They they came out and said, we are going to make uh, conservatives unelectable, and that's their goal again. They, in, in last November, they came out and said, we're going to be Andrew Scheer's worst nightmare, and they're the ones who are going to control the money that goes to the media. Do you think a lot of conservative uh, media outlets are going to get any money? No, of course not. And and newspapers do take political stance. They do, do, uh, do opinion pieces. And so uh, a, a news organization, organization like The Sun will get nothing, but The mm-hmm. Star will get plenty of money. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and the bottom line is it does nothing for journalists, uh, John, because a lot of them, unfortunately, are in the Unifor uh, union because they don't have a choice. That's like part, they have to be in it. I am not unionized, thank goodness, but even saying something like this would, would if we were qualified for this money, I would get voted out because the unions certainly don't want any other stance than what they appreciate. And, a, and a I, I, this should never have happened. There should be no pot of money. B, 
the government just appointed a bunch of people who are in clear conflicts of interest. It's, it's, it should be illegal. It's certainly unethical, and I don't think it impresses anybody into believing anything other than Trudeau or at least Ottawa and some agencies want to control or encourage some voices in the press. But see, really, how many liberal outlets are there to give the money away? Oh, to there's more than enough. Toronto and Star, don't, who else? And don't. Who else is and don't. Oh, and don't. Are you out of your bloody mind? And don't doubt that there won't be some brand yeah, new not-for-profit media organizations that suddenly are created that are pro-liberal. But we already know that Katie Telford, from the dealings with this and within SNC, that this government will do anything to place and buy favorable media coverage. Like, are you kidding me? You don't think that this is going to happen with this, and that is the problem. And if the government really wanted to help the media, there are ways of doing it without handing out six hundred million dollars. Yes, cut the ad revenue at CBC. They, no, well, if they also if they change the tax laws. Right yeah. now, the tax yeah. laws favor uh, advertising on Google and and uh, Facebook and things like that. If they had changed the tax laws, the tax laws were written mm. back before the internet was even created. And if they changed it and actually had uh, the ad the ad uh, tax deductible only for Canadian. Uh, publications, it would make a huge difference for the media. It would. And I go back to the comment I meant. Look, the CBC, which is funded way past a billion dollars by the Canadian taxpayers, has no business taking ad revenue on top of that. That comes out of the pocket. I couldn't agree more. But I would argue that aside from the CBC and Torstar, I really can't name another liberal Globe and Mail. Oh, come on, The Globe and Mail are certainly, the Thompsons are certainly not liberal. I don't know what you're reading. Hacks. I don't know what section you're reading. Give me a break. Give me a break. But it's not even that, John. It's that it's that the trust in the public, they'll look at everybody and say, well, you must be getting paid or you must be getting paid. It blurs the lines. And and, and I was with you at the beginning. Yeah. Of, it, it's horrible. It reminds me of all the time and all the work we did in post-Soviet states where all of the media, when we went, yeah. you know, Soviet Union collapses, we go, we try and democratize whatever, for, whether our intentions were good or bad or whatever they were. We, we said you, you simply can't exist with five stations that are all owned by people who are part of the Cosmopol in Russia. Right. right? They've got to be free and fair and unstate sanctioned. We, got, we didn't get very far. We shouldn't be moving in that direction. All right, let's take a quick pause here. We agree to agree to agree on that one, and we'll come back and talk about why uh, the Trudeau government all of a sudden is giving Irving a whole bunch of billions of dollars in subsidizing... Uh, Jobs again. We'll talk about that in just a moment here on Global News Radio. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We got John Raz and Bill Hutchison arguing to argue to agree to disagree. Are we disagreeing tonight? No. Yeah, kind of. Um, let's talk a little bit about Prime Minister Trudeau announcing today that the federal government's going to be buying, uh, well, uh, they're spending an awful lot of money on uh, ships all of a sudden, but they've uh, bought two more Arctic patrol ships on top of the six already ordered from Halifax-based Irving Shipping. And they're talking billions more in, in shipping contracts that uh, were very scant on details. But certainly the timing of this is a bit suspect, Bill. I mean, we're and if you read it, it's, it's all about, you know, we have to... Give them these contracts because otherwise there'll be layoffs. I mean, we're subsidizing since, everything. Since when is the government responsible for making sure there's no no layoffs in the shipbuilding industry? I mean, that would, in any industry, in for SNC, that matter. I mean, or, there have been or, or, thousands and thousands of layoffs in, out in the oil industry, yeah, and the government doesn't care, care about that. So mm-hmm. suddenly, uh, their their buddies at, at Irving uh, need a contract to fill fill a little gap there, and and. And it's not—it's not like they put it out to tender. They're all, I know there are only three sh- shipbuilders in Canada, but mm. they gave it straight to Irving. Right. Uh, or, or maybe I did notice in the news two weeks ago that the U.S. government, through one of its uh, uh, one of its captains of uh, foreign affairs, suggested that Canada's 
claim to the Northwest Passage was specious and yeah. was not valid and that that should be an international laneway. So Canada then decides to build ships to protect no, there its was claim. Already, there, were, there was already a program to replace these ships. There was already a program to, to build uh, ships. They've just added a couple more there. Yeah, they, They've they just thrown, thrown a couple more couple contracts more. Uh, to, to Irving. Well, as, yeah. as the, the, Harper, Harper started the, the program to replace these ships and, and to build... Uh, and, uh, and he used Irving, right? Uh, I think Irving won the contract in that case. Well, there's case. only three to so, choose So from. one can't really accuse Irving of being like the partisan no, pony no. of... <laughs> As I said, there are only three out there, but uh, Harper government also went to, to Davy Shipyard uh, to, to build some, some But wouldn't ships there be them, an so. economy of scale in building the same model over and over again? At I, one I just shipyard? would like to stop subsidizing, like if we're going to believe in capitalism, let's stop subsidizing everything. I mean, honestly, between Bombardier, S&C, and like these companies make billions of dollars. Figure it out. I think the United stop States has the same this. problem. Lots of corporations seem to be living on subsidies uh, Great, and stop. lots Canada, of organizations. Canada is, is really... Uh, internationally known as bad for procurement uh, mm. contracts. And I'm not they disagreeing use them for political with that. purposes, and, and this is just another example of it. Let's talk about garbage, shall we? Because uh, the Filipino president uh, made no bones about it. I mean, we woke up to headlines that the, that the ship was on its way. He had commissioned a ship to take all the garbage back, dump it essentially, um, you know, at the international border of our waters. And then lo and behold, today we get this, uh, you know, comment that uh, climate change minister uh, has found a ship to send and go pick it up. And I I think Christian Freeland was also asked about this today, and here's what she said. You know, we have taken a big step with the announcement today, and we are moving uh, as, as quickly <laughs> as we can, um, bearing in mind, you know, the need to take due care. Uh, to get this resolved once and for all. Well, I should really choke out those words. We've got Irving building I mean, on, a new ship for it. Yeah, maybe, well, don't give them any ideas. They'll commission a brand new tug to go in the... To pull that back. But this is like, give me a break. You had six years. It's been this mess for six years. And certainly for the last couple of years, the pressure's been there. It's just only t- today that they've the decided. The Philippines went to Trudeau in 2016 and said, hey, what are you going to do about this? And Trudeau kept shuffling his feet, uh, saying that, you know, oh, well, 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 we'll take care of it. We'll take care of They wanted, uh, Canada wanted the Philippines to dispose of this. There were, I think, 104 uh, containers of garbage initially that went there, and there's 69 left. And Canada was hoping the Philippines would dispose of, of the other 69, or at least pay for it to be shipped back. Canada didn't want to do this. Here's this, you know, Canada is back, Prime Minister, uh, and and it's an international embarrassment that the Philippines finally called us on and said, "Look, enough is enough. Enough, you know, pushing this around. You're you're pretending that that you're going to do something. You're not doing anything. So we're going to ship it back and we're going to charge you for it." So finally, Canada steps up, and and it's really an embarrassment for this country on the internet national stage to have the Philippines call us on this. I'd like to know where it's going and, and why we have to foot the bill for this. Well, let's see. We're dumping raw sewage into the St. Lawrence out of, out of Montreal. Maybe so, we can do you it know, there. Just there you go. Dump yeah. it there. Who uh, who sent this garbage over there? Who actually this was a, sent it? It was now, a that's Canadian a private company. It was, it's a private company just outside of Toronto. And they should be held accountable for it. Why aren't they paying for this? I don't know. But why has it been six years of festering and the government, you know, that that wants to charge us all for pollution? Look, this is your thing. This is your thing. And what, what's taking you so long to bring it back? I mean, it had to literally come to, you know, to screaming match between the and, Filipino president. And I agree. We should charge that company uh, for the cost. But, of it. Why are they never being mentioned? Probably because they've dissolved. They probably don't exist in, in all likelihood. Okay. Um, let's talk about Ipsos polling for Global News revealing 37% of those asked believe immigrants are and immigration is a threat to white Canadians. And those, I guess, who have university educations at 27% 
were least likely to hold such views. Canadians, of course, without high school diplomas were likely at 46% to see immigrants as a threat. But the reality is, I think, you know, immigrants don't actually take jobs away from Canadians. Um, what changes this attitude, Bill? Well, I got a couple of issues with with the poll to start with. I think it was kind of vague in that question. What kind of threat? How, how do they define threat? And it depends on how people interpret that that threat. Is it is it a cultural threat? Is it a, is it a physical threat? What kind of threat are we talking about? Values. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, it's, there's a lot of different ways of interpreting that. First mm-hmm. of all, second of all, uh, the whole question of of immigrants and immigration. Uh, now people are are. Uh, putting together the illegal uh, migrants that have walked across the border, and that's what's got them uh, upset about immigration. Canada's always been a very welcoming country, country about immigration. Under the Conservatives, it was 250,000. The Liberals have increased it to over 300,000 a year. And I don't think most Canadians uh, are upset about that. They know the country can absorb it. They know that if, if people come in the legal means, then then they do become very productive citizens, and they, they do create jobs here. They do uh, bring a lot to the country, and, and most Canadians are very welcoming about that. But I think a lot of Canadians are upset about the fact that people are, are walking into the country illegally and they're seeing the cost of the social services in this city alone, the millions and millions of dollars that the city has had to spend on that. And they're saying, well, maybe that's how they're interpreting the threat. It's a yeah. threat to our social services. So what do they mean by threat? How do people interpret it? And what was the demographic of the people who responded to this, this uh, poll? There's a lot of questions that I have about the poll, but I don't think Canadians are, are anti-immigration. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. And the, and the way I look at this poll is because I think one of the factors not being discussed, John, and I kind of talked about this last night, is that I think you've got a conflation um, of people being sick and tired of being lectured on how they should say things. You know, you get the political finger wagging of Justin Trudeau. You know, you get name called if you question anything about immigration. So I think there's a resentment that has been built up over the last couple of years. But I also just think, going to Bill's point, that when people see uh, people breaking the laws or taking advantage, they're just getting angered. I think a lot of it has to do with, it's a dark tone, pardon, pardon the pun, it has to do with visible minorities as immigrants, it has to do with people who are is uh, who are practicing Muslims as immigrants. There, were, there was other pieces of data in there that suggested over a quarter of Canadians thought it was okay to find or to enjoy some prejudice towards Islam or towards people who were Muslim and, and held Beautiful. those beliefs. It's ugly stuff. It's toxic stuff. It's being kicked around the United States, which is basically having a very quiet, cold race war in front of our eyes. It's in the news all the time. There's a lot of fear-mongering and scapegoating by would-be tyrants and uneducated fascists and crypto-fascists disguising themselves as people who talk about themselves as nationalists and patriots. I suspect that the code for immigrant is what, you know, what, what, what really that, that pull, and I agree with everything Bill said, doesn't ask us, what kind of immigrants are we talking about? Which jobs are being taken? That poll just scratches the surface and, in fact, did more harm than good because it created a further division and it didn't answer any questions. And I'm not sure its methodology was sound. So it's a real problem. And to all pollsters, I say, be cautious. You might be trying to solve a problem, edify people, and you've created a worse one. There you go. Well, yeah, so expect some polling on abortion next. Like, seriously, because that's what we're doing now. It's, you know, all these big wedge issues. Wedge issues. All right, guys, I got to leave it there. And I thank you, Bill Hutchison and John Mraz. Appreciate it tonight here on Point on Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.